Well, hello everybody. My name is Ron and the name of this little podcast is Freedom Reigns, Socialism Kills, and Other Musings About Life in This Great Land We Call America. So, a little bit about myself. My name is Ron, as I said. I'm older, we'll put it that way. Been in this life a long time. And uh, I'm here with my partner and friend for a long time also, Mr. Steve. Say hello. Hello, I'm Steve. (laughs) (laughs) And we're just going to talk about some of my beliefs about freedom, liberty, socialism, and maybe some other things as we go along. So... This is a brand new podcast. Um, like I said, the name is Freedom Reign, Socialism Kills, and other musings. And uh, generally, you know, I'm going to start maybe with a quote of the week initially. And uh, that's subject to change because this is about freedom. So we will have the freedom to change as we see fit. Thank you very much. At least for now. <laughs> All right, so I'm just going to start off with this quote. It was by uh, Benjamin Franklin, for those of you with a public education. He was one of the founding fathers. And before you say anything else, I also have a public education. So leave me alone. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so anyway, the quote of the week. He who would trade liberty for security deserves neither liberty nor security. And I thought about that as I read it, and I realized that, you know, back around post 9-11, 2001, I actually fell victim to being willing to trade some of my uh, freedom for a little bit of security, or at least so-called security. Yeah, I think we all did, didn't we? Yeah, I mean, I remember how I felt that day, and uh, it was not good. I, I was working. I remember where I was. I was on my way to a call. To clean a heat pump, I used to do heating and air conditioning, and I heard on the radio what had happened initially. They said, there's been a terrible accident. A plane has hit the World Trade Center. And then a few minutes later, I heard the second one, and from then on, you know, I was changed person for a long time. I remember that, too, just like it was, I mean, I think everybody remembers right where they were Right. when that happened. It, it was... Uh, just a, like I'm, I'm stuck. It, it, it was a punch in my gut. It was, uh, it was all those things, and I felt like even though I don't live anywhere near New York, I felt like I was immediately attacked right at that moment as well. I felt like everything that this country stood for was attacked, and it was just a horrible feeling, and I was completely angered at my employer for not saying, hey, you know what, go home. Let's deal with this. I mean, in the aftermath and, and what I found out later, that was the best thing we could have done is just keep going on with life as as best we could in a normal fashion. So so anyway, like I said... But the reason you said we fell victim to that, what are you saying in that quote? Well, it's because I was, you know, all of a sudden here comes Homeland Security, uh, NSA... And they're saying, oh, we're going to record phone calls of terrorists. And then I heard civil, civil liberty groups saying, oh, that's, you know, slippery slope. And I would say silly things like, well, I'm not saying anything 
worth anything anyway, so I don't care if they listen to my conversations. Right, I said that too. Like, I, I got nothing to hide. Listen all you want. Right, and I still feel that way to a certain extent, but I realize now that in the aftermath of all that that happened, the government now has just billions of emails, phone calls. Yeah, they can listen to you for anything. They, they said they had the terrorism thing in there, which we we all believed that was what they were going to be listening to. But in reality, they can listen to anyone. Right, and anytime. they do. And they just, you know, mass, what they call that megadata, or oh, yeah. where they just store it somewhere just in case they want to come after you later for something. It's, it's kind of scary if you think about it. Yeah, and that's that can never be undone now. So those those things aren't going away. And what really floors you is that was a what floors me. It was a Republican in office. Yeah, and he was pushing it. Yeah, that's that's for sure. And uh, you know, I voted for that man twice, I and uh, I considered myself for a lot of my life a Republican. Not so much anymore. I'm that's definitely a. Right. Uh, conservative still but i don't want that r near me for the most part anymore any more than i ever wanted that d right i'm still a little bit more r um, than d but (laughs) but yeah so that that's really how i fell victim to it though i just started stupidly thinking it doesn't matter i'm not doing anything so you know what too i think that we've been conditioned as conservatives or republicans to almost immediately dismiss any kind of dissent like uh, you said the civil liberty groups and stuff almost immediately as soon as they start protesting or saying something I'm like just shut the fuck up right well that's that's partly because with with George Bush the left was in some ways similar to how they are with the current president Donald Trump everything he did he was Hitler he was this he was that so I mean it was somewhat you know, justified, I think, for us to have that knee-jerk reaction, like, oh, here comes the left again. Right. But in that case, on civil liberty, I think I should have taken a closer look at that back then. Um, but it wasn't just him, you know. I mean, it was all Congress, and, and the left was just as guilty of that. I'm not trying to, Oh yeah. you know, give them any kind of free pass here. They were well, they all on board, too. Way, I mean, it's funny, because they saw it as a door. If you crack that door a little bit, I've always heard my whole life, give an inch, they'll take a mile. Mm-hmm. You give the government an inch, they're going to take it. They're going to take it all. And it's weird because I have always, like I've, like you said, you've always been a Republican. I've always been a Republican. But that's when my ideas started changing right about right about that time. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. wait a minute, man, this ain't right. Something ain't <laughs> right about this. Right. And, and, you know, the left is absolutely out there and, and like I said, that's that's par- partially what caused us to have that reaction. And it almost seems though that right now, like the farther left the Republican Party moves, the farther left the Democrat Party moves. I mean, they're not coming to the middle to meet. I mean, they're going. Oh yeah, we move left. When I say we Republicans, and they just keep moving farther left. So it's it's fine with me though. Keep doing that because I don't think the mainstream of the country is uh, going to be down with that so. we're in a strange time right now yeah i mean it's just you know the left is the left and they're always going to be the left but the the brand of the left that i see today was not the left that i saw when i was a kid 
or even my parents' generation or farther back, you know, that Democratic Party was somewhat close to probably what the Republicans were in the early 90s, you know, say JFK's party. JFK was supply-side economics, man. Yeah, he was a conservative. <laughs> and you can't even talk to a Democrat now about JFK. They, if, you, if they're listening to him now, they think he's a crazy right-wing nut. Right. <laughs> it's funny. Isn't it weird? Like, he was their hero for... Oh, yeah, that's I always talked about. He was the greatest president ever, and... You know, and, and then when you tell him, well, if he were still alive today, he would be on the conservative side of the ledger. They just don't want to hear that at all. But, uh, you know, that gets us, you know, a little bit more in what's kind of current today. And there's a lot of talk on, especially on the left, I think maybe some some small s sectors of the right. Um, when I say the right, I'm just speaking in generalities there. Um, but of socialism becoming you know, the new norm, the new great thing, you know, that's the way to go. And, and I don't get that at all because socialism has never worked throughout history of organized civilizations. It's just never worked. And I just don't know why, you know, the definition of insanity is keep trying the same thing over and over expecting different results. And that's pretty much what socialism is to me is insanity. Um, you know, I've done a little bit of research and I'm not the smartest person in the world, but, uh, there's some, several reasons why socialism just never works. And, uh, there's a nice quote by Winston Churchill that I thought kind of sums it up pretty well. It, and it just goes something like this. The inherent vice of capitalism is the unequal sharing of blessings. The inherent virtue of socialism is the un, is the equal sharing of miseries, and that that pretty much put it out there for me, you know, equal sharing of misery. That's what socialism eventually leads to. It does, and uh, I think that if we want to build on this topic, like coming down and slow, or uh, the worst thing to me about this last election we had, a lot of people would, would say it was that Donald Trump was elected. To me, the worst thing that came out of this last election was the fact that Bernie Sanders is now somehow relevant <laughs> in this world. He, for his whole career, political career, he was basically looked at as like, just shut up, crazy old man. Yeah, a fringe element. Yeah. You know, didn't identify as Democrat or Republican. I'm a Democratic Socialist, he says. And it's, it's just... But now he's relevant. I mean, people listen to him now. And they, they're starting to... Like, get gathered together in groups and just root for him and it's just it's crazy to me to listen to the things he says because they, they i mean they sound great i would love it yeah give us free, free everything yeah free that sure it sounds amazing but like you said like that quote said right there it's all uh, maybe that's how they get you in or whatever but once eventually socialism takes hold mm -hmm. the only people that have the stuff are, are the politicians Right. And they share it amongst us. Which they kind of changed their name from politicians to dictator at that point or something of the, along that lines because that's how they behave. And they're going to tell you how much you can have, what you can do, what you can't do. And if you had a voice like, say, this show and a socialist society, then they'd be coming for us beating down the doors right now as soon as they heard this. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it's... it's I think it's a, that's the lie that Bernie's spreading is... It, it's just so easily bought into. Mm -hmm. 
because you think that, oh, I'm going to get to have a house and a car and a picket fence and a dog. They're going to let me have that. But that's not how social, that's not how it works. No, it's, it's far from that. It's, you might have the dog and you guys can figure out where you're going to sleep tonight and maybe you'll find something to eat eventually. And you'll, This is what we feel like you need to live. Right. And it's, it's just amazing to me that people fall victim to that. Um, you know, my parents, thank God, were, are, well, my dad has passed away, but they brought me up pretty much knowing just by watching him every day that the way I was going to survive when I reached this thing called adulthood was go earn a paycheck somewhere. And, you know, it's not a perfect system, and I'm not rich by any means, but uh, I've been eating for all my life and haven't slept outside unless I wanted to. So <laughs> right. I've done some camping over the years, but I have I a home. I get that it is hard. Life is hard. Sure. sure. Some people don't have the ability to work. You know, we have people with mental disorders in this country. We have people with physical disorders. Well, I think that's the misnomer or the lie that's told about conservatives a lot of times is that we're heartless and we don't care about people. That's not true at all. There has to be a social safety net, you know, for those people you're talking about and people that are down on their luck. I, It's my belief that, you know, when the welfare system started, it wasn't supposed to be generational. We're just generation after generation. We're on welfare and nobody ever changes it. You know, it was a, a safety net. Right. So you're down on your luck here. We're going to help you out until you can get back on your feet. But, you know, like we talked about with everything, the government, you know. Well, they got it now. The way that the welfare system is now, it's almost a trap built to keep you in it. Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. have people I know that are on the welfare system. And uh, was one woman I know, has she has two kids. She's a single mom. And uh, she's using welfare, but she also has a job now. And she got a little bit of a raise here recently. It wasn't much. She got a little bit of a raise. They cut her food, her food oh, off. Right, right. Because they don't want they. Uh, it sounds weird to say they don't want you working because it's like there's some crazy Big. person in a, <laughs> in a room somewhere. <laughs> going, ah, I don't want to work. We don't want you working. But they really want you on the system. <laughs> I, I remember it was years ago. It was California was showing commercials on TV. Uh, we There's plenty of money in the welfare system. Please come and get it. Because the way the system's built is if California doesn't spend all their money on the welfare system, the next budget that comes up, they go down to the, where they spent their level of spending. Well, I don't know how they were exactly doing it, but I know the previous administration, Mr. Obama's administration, they were almost advertising Hey, here's how you get welfare. Here's how you get food stamps. Here's how you do this. Come on in to the big tent we call big government and socialism. It sounds good, but it's kind of a trap. Yeah, and, and you know he wasn't lying when he said he's going to fundamentally transform America because he tried with everything in him. Things are different now. And you know we're trying to reverse some of that now. And, of course, now we're racist, bigots, homophobes. <laughs> and all the other nice little names the left wants to give us. But, again, you know, that's neither here nor there. I don't care what they say. That's uh, I have my beliefs, and I believe they are right, if not correct. <laughs> this is my anecdotal evidence for capitalism. It's just all I can go on is my experience in life. 
right? I grew up not rich. I grew up in the neighborhood mixed with everybody. Mm-hmm. My stepdad was a truck driver. My mom was a nurse. I dropped out of high school. I don't have... Uh, and I mean, I went back and got an associate's degree in communications later. Right. But I'm not working in that field. <laughs> I'm a truck driver. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've, I don't have a, a college degree, you know, big university experience and stuff like that and i do okay i mean i just you work your way up i i I get so mad when i hear people's excuses why you know the like everything in the The cards are stacked against them them, yeah because the cards are stacked against all of us unless you were in a blue chip family right and you know it's the same for me my dad was a auto worker for 30 years he was laid off during the carter administration for most of that second you know that term of the carter administration and then uh then when reagan got back in not got back in but rather was first elected then things started to turn around and you know kind of like now (laughs) (laughs) and then things were good you know through the the clinton years but i i attribute that as much to reaganomics as to anything clinton did i just think bill clinton did not uh do much to undo the good that was done initially and he kind of left it alone and worried about his sex life and the young interns more than anything else but you mean sex. but i do know <laughs> i do know that his views on immigration were very very similar to the one <clears throat> that donald trump has now there are videotaped speeches of him saying the same things and uh, yeah i think bill clinton would have trouble getting elected nowadays probably he's too center too too moderate yeah i think you're right but yeah that's another topic as far as immigration goes i just can go off on a tangent (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so socialism isn't isn't the way to go people and you know just do some research and look at venezuela right now you know that's that's a good example of modern socialism in action and by the way you're calling people nazis and hitler well if you look up what nazi mean i think socialist is part of that that you know acronym there so when you bring up venezuela maybe 30 years ago venezuela was a thriving rich country well sure they got oil abound they shouldn't be what they are right now they shouldn't be in a capitalist venezuela the people would be enjoying life they wouldn't be rioting in the streets because there would be jobs in the oil you know industry and just you know how it goes capitalism breeds more success I know that capitalism has inherent failure in it too. You got to have someone at the bottom. It's just laws of uh, survival of the fittest and that sort of thing. But the way to fix it is not just a feeble attempt to try to make everything fair. That's that's one of the worst words I've ever heard in my life. Fair. I, I was told as a young child, "Life isn't fair, son. Get over it." <laughs> and and that's what they all want, you know. So well, when they bring up they. They always bring up Norway as their shining example yeah. example of how socialism works. Well, if you look into Norway a little bit, I mean, they're a very, very small country. Very small. That's mm-hmm. all, I don't know what this matters, it's all white. Yeah, that and doesn't they, matter to me. But <laughs> No, that, the color doesn't, but I'm just saying, if you want, if the next example I'm going to give with the failures is, I guess maybe I could edit that part out. <laughs> if you want to. Okay. One, two, three.
the one example that they always bring up is Norway, and uh, because that is a socialist country and it's working. Mm-hmm. But it's a if you look into Norway, you, you can see that it's a very small country, and their borders are closed. You cannot become a member of the Norway Norwegian society. They don't let people in. Do they have a wall? I don't know if they have a wall or not, but they're <laughs> I think they're surrounded by their borders are pretty damn tight and you're not getting in there. Right. You so can it's, visit. it's a finite number of people and and we're still I mean, how old is Norway and how long have they been in that system, you know? I, I'd like to research that a little while because I do know from my my research that even if they're okay now in their socialist society it's not going to last another hundred years no it's like a uh, like those pyramid schemes yeah you can only keep taking you know from the the people in, until there's nothing left and socialism to me it capitalism creates uh, like innovation mm-hmm. socialism seems to suppress it Stifles. It like stifles no everything reason, successful. Right. There's no reason for you to come up with anything new or anything better or different. Because it's not You gonna, don't profit from yeah, it. Yeah, it's you not going to benefit you at all. You get none of the benefits. If you do invent something new, cure cancer, whatever it is, in a socialist country, the government just says, thank you. We just cured cancer. You know, so so I agree. It does definitely uh, de-incentivize, you know, people to push and, and try to be successful and do more. That seems like it might to me it seems like it would just pull sap out your your whole not that working is your reason to live or anything like that, but it gives people a sense of purpose a little bit. Well yeah, and it's in a capitalist society on the lower tier like I consider myself of economics. You know, I'm not the poorest of the poor. I'm very grateful for what I do have, but, you know, I'm not getting rich, and I'm never going to be rich, and I don't really see a quote-unquote true retirement like my father enjoyed for a few years before he passed, and, uh, few, you know, previous generations. I just figured, I'm going to work until I die, you know, so. I don't have retirement. I've got things going into retirement funds, but I can look at the reality of what it's going to take me to live just on a bare minimum basic necessities and I'm not going to have enough for that so I'm going to have to greet her at Walmart or I'm going to have to work my dog <laughs> right now I've got a decent job where I can sit in an office all day and answer a few phones so I should be able to as long as I can still hear that's the thing though is that people always associate Republicans with rich yeah and most of the people I know that are Republicans are just working stiffs. Right. I mean, I, I don't know any rich people. I think the people I work for are, I don't know, they're not, you know, mega rich, but they're doing better than I am financially. But All the owner of your company? Yeah, but then, again, I don't begrudge them that because way back in the 50 years ago, the owner started that business, you know, by himself with his wife. And 50 years later, it's built into a pretty decent-sized company. So It's like the owner of my company, the trucking company I work for. Him and his wife started this. You know, they put everything into it. Mm-hmm. They risked everything. They still, they're still they the ones that risk everything today. 
But you have to remember, Steve. They're making. You didn't money. build that. <laughs> right, right. He didn't build that. Yeah, I remember somebody said that. Some guy. I forget his name. Barry, I think it was. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, you probably got help somewhere or whatever. But he, the, him, and his wife built that company from the ground up. Right. And that's I'm thankful to them. I. Because I have a job now. I have. <laughs> My dearly departed father always used to tell me, I never got a job from a poor man. Never got a job from a poor man. You know, so I don't hate the rich. I don't care about what people have. Bill Gates is inconsequential to me. I'm glad that he's, I guess, does some charitable works. And But whether he has a billion or a gazillion or whatever number you want to throw out there, I don't care. It doesn't affect me at all. No. And that's why I think a lot of it is, is like almost seems like jealousy. Yeah. Like that guy's rich. I'll never have it. It's not fair. It's not fair. (laughs) Where's that word again? Uh, I get up every day at two 30 in the morning. Mm -hmm. I work 11 hours every day. And just so I can have what little bit of stuff I have. Right. I don't care what anybody else has, but but they'll tell you, well, Steve, you, you don't have to do that. We can give you all this stuff. I think the reason that I am not a Democrat, now that they're really going into the social, this far, far left, is because I do want to, to be able to choose what TV I buy, or choose where I live. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, because we can see, you know, through research and this life experience, what that system of government is going to bring eventually and yeah if the, if we all in the united states went full-on socialism right now you and i probably wouldn't live long enough to see the demise the, the, the full demise and you know because it's not going to happen overnight but i mean you can see it right now just like you talked about bernie sanders and that's a whole nother story where he probably would have won the democratic nomination if it weren't for some rigging and shenanigans on that side um, during the primary, which that would have been interesting to see if if he was the candidate, how that would have gone. Because I know, I still want to believe that most Americans are like we are, and that's just, you know, we want to get up, we want to earn our living, we want to enjoy our families, our freedom to choose the way we worship or not worship, Um, just every freedom that we've been allotted. And... And if Bernie had won, it just is kind of a scary thought that, you know, because those elections pretty much the last four or five cycles have gone at least popular vote-wise, what we're told, almost 50-50. So it doesn't take much in that realm to, to swing things one way or another. But thank God for the Electoral College. And, uh, <laughs> you know, all of a sudden, no, that's not fair. You know, that's all we heard back in... Bush Gore, two thousand. It's always or won the popular vote. It's always something. Hanging chads. Yeah. Uh, Russian <laughs> interference. Russian interference. Yeah. Yeah. The Russians put some ads on Facebook that were favorable to Hillary. I guess. Right. They haven't shown me where they've done anything other than that. I put favorable ads to Trump on Facebook myself. <laughs> oh, I did too, and and uh, just. That whole collusion, that's another hoax and, and another basically sore loser we didn't win. So we're going to destroy this man and take him down. And that was in the works pre-election, just in case. And, you know, there's evidence of that coming out all over the place. 
Peter Stroke, Lisa Page. Peter Stroke was the one who was more or less running the Hillary Clinton email investigation. You know, they wrote her exoneration letter. Before an investigation. Before they even finished the investigation. I mean, it was like a month or two before. Right, because they had to edit it because (laughs) he said, you know, whatever the statute said. You know what I found out too? Extreme negligence. I just heard this the other day, though. uh, Like two weeks before Comey said that. Um, it wasn't extreme negligence. It was uh, extreme carelessness. Extreme carelessness. I got to look this up because I just heard somebody say this. Barack Obama tweeted that, like two, they, almost the exact wording, like two weeks before Comey said it. You, I don't remember that specifically because I don't follow him on Twitter. I don't follow him either. I just heard it on. Uh, but, I think it was Hannity. But yeah, I don't doubt it. I know that he had his hand in it, and whether it will ever be proven, the whole thing, you know, the, we could just go into the weeds here, but the Peter Stroke, like I said, the, he was heading the Hillary investigation. As soon as the election's over, he gets put on Mueller's hit squad, and and he didn't get kicked off until they said, uh-oh, there might be some text messages showing that he's biased against Trump. Well, I think everyone on that investigative squad is biased against Trump. How many Republicans are on that? Other than Mueller? <laughs> is he one? I don't know. He's not a Republican, but he, he, they say he, well, he is because he was... Uh, well, they used to say that about Comey, too. Because right. he was appointed by Bush. Appointed by a Republican. Or whoever, but that doesn't mean he's a Republican. Right. And, you know, it, it's just a hoax, and it's unreal. You know, there are things with that party and that administration going way back to even Benghazi. I was 9-11, that just so happened to coincide. I wonder why they did that. But that's when it happened in, what, 2012? Benghazi, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's talking about a stupid video, Islam, anti-Islamic video. And they went on talk shows. And Why do they always feel like they need to not offend them? Or give them excuses for why they did something. Well, that's that's definitely true. And, and you know, Christianity, it's okay to say whatever you want about in this country. But if you say anything against Islamic terrorism, then you're a, obviously a bigot and a racist. And, you know, and it's just ridiculous. But in, in the Benghazi case, I don't think it was so much of defending Islamists as it was, you know, that, that was a few weeks before the election with Obama and Romney and they didn't want you know he'd just been going around on the trail for eight nine twelve months terrorism is dead Al-Qaeda's on the run and then bam terrorist attack at our embassy in Benghazi oh no we can't have that a few weeks before the election so we got to come up with another narrative it's it's just that's my belief and I will go to my grave believing it and they could have saved those people I don't care what anyone told tells me. Oh, we didn't have time. They asked for it weeks, months. <laughs> hey, we need security here. Well, what they, and what they were saying um, internally is what, I mean, the things I've heard anyways, is that they didn't want to make that embassy look like a uh, military zone because that they didn't. That's where the not offending them part comes in to me. They they want they it's like they wanted to do everything they could to 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 appease them, those people, right? To make them think we're not here occupying. Well, that's an embassy with our you know with that's people. our soil. That's 
That's American soil in a foreign land. And any embassy in a foreign land is American soil. And there are embassies over here, other uh, other, countries. other countries, and that's their soil over right. here. So we're not. It's not like we're saying, yeah, that's our land. So right. That's just standard international law or whatever. Exactly. So. Yeah, don't take me the wrong way. That's American soil. Wherever we say it's American soil. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, that, that happens in every country. There's embassies of every, almost every country in every, every other country. And thank God for the few that defied orders to stand down and, and just went ahead and saved some people and, and fought, you know, so. That Benghazi, that whole cover-up thing, now that's, that seems to be the M.O., right. cover-up. Well, that's all the whole. The whole Russia investigation is not only trying to take down Donald Trump; it's to cover their tracks because they thought for sure that Madame Hillary was going to win the election, and that stuff would never be brought out. Here's the things I don't understand <clears throat> about the, the the Russian investigation. It's based on the WikiLeaks WikiLeaks leaks of the emails of Hillary Clinton. Uh, there were and John Podesta. And John Podesta. There were uh, the there were a lot of emails that were leaked, and the information in those emails were damning to the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. But instead of anybody in any kind of power position standing up and saying those emails are bad, those emails need to be investigated. The emails need to be investigated. Instead, they're like, "Who let those emails out?" Right. That's what they're mad about. Yeah, it was. Not that I robbed the bank, but who let me rob the bank? Who told on me for robbing the bank? That's <laughs> right. a good matter the person that told that, me. That's a better analogy. Yeah, who told on me? That's who pisses me off. <laughs> this, this, this is insanity to me. Wow. Well, those, those emails were proof that the, uh, the election was rigged by the Democratic National Bernie. Committee against Bernie Sanders. Right. There's evidence right there in the emails, but they won't even look at that. Yeah, that election was rigged, but not in the way they're trying to say it was, and not by who they're trying to say it was rigged by. No, there's actual Russian collusion, and it was on the other side. Democratic National Committee and Hillary Clinton paid for that. I mean, that dossier, when I first heard about it, I laughed out loud. I'm like, really? Some of that stuff in there is just so (laughs) out there. Donald Trump paid Russian prostitutes to pee on a bed, or something. I'm just like, what are you talking about? You couldn't come up with anything better than that? I mean, we could probably come up with something better right here on the spot if we had to. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's at least going to sound somewhat plausible. And that was called, you know, salacious and unverified, even by Comey, right at the beginning. But they ran with it. Go to the FISA courts. Get warrants to spy on the Trump campaign. It's, it's just un-American and, and ridiculous and... That's where the real Russian collusion was. It's, it's like Hannity says. If you want collusion, there's plenty of evidence. Mueller, just look the other way. All right. Because it's, that's ridiculous. <laughs> and that's not, to me, I, I don't want anybody to fix, we've mentioned Hannity a couple times. Right. I'm not, I don't get, I barely listen to Hannity. Oh, yeah. I don't get my information from Hannity. I'm not regurgitating <laughs> things. I've no, heard. no, 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 no. If he's actually, on my TV, probably... I'd say twice a week at most, and I'm not. I'm usually sitting there picking my guitar, practicing things. I'm not laser focused on what he's saying. But if you just, this is obvious 
right in your face. If you just look at the evidence, you don't need somebody to tell you what it means. No, just investigate yourself and find out who did what and when. Simple Google searches. Even yeah. Even Snopes, as bad as people think Snopes is, Snopes does every now and then get things right. They will actually... <laughs> right. I mean, there's a lot of information out there. You, you don't need to... Well, that's, that's the whole key, is if I listen to Sean Hannity or anyone else, I'm going to look into it a little further myself. I'm not just going to take his word for it. Right. You know, and, and I'm just sorry to say, I don't think anyone else does either, but I will not watch MSNBC or CNN or Nobody's watching the Evening News. <laughs> that used to be, you know, the, the standard back in my childhood, the CBS Evening News. Well, that's just a propaganda wing of leftists in this country now, not just CBS, NBC, ABC, you know, and I know they'll say, well, Fox News is a propaganda ring for the right, but... Uh, it might be. It might be, but I think the news part of Fox News is pretty much right down the middle. I know they'll have a little bit of a lean, but most of the real reporters will tell the story and leave it at that. Now, Hannity is not a reporter. He's not. No. He's an opinion talk show host. Laura Ingram is the same. I'm not going to sit here and, you know, spout off their whole lineup of, of right. TV shows. But you know who the opinion hosts are and who the, the news... But it's hard to tell on the other networks. It's hard to tell. And if you're watching the CBS Evening News, you would think you were watching the news. But no, you're watching an opinion piece. Yeah. And you can tell in the way they talk. It's Lester Holt, NBC News. <laughs> and uh, one of the main... Uh, arms of the social of socialism is the control of the media. Sure, sure. And it almost feels to me like you can change the channels. That's on the evening news. You can change the channels. Right um, now, we still can. Yes, we do have that ability, and thank right. God, the majority <laughs> of Americans are changing the channels. I was going somewhere else with that though. Like you can change the channels between the news programs, oh. all all of them. Oh, and, and the, the only thing script. that's going to change yeah. is the guy that's talking. That's the only thing that changes. Right. You watch the news. If you watch the news, it's the same stories, mm-hmm. and, and they're all use the same buzzwords. They all use the same talking points. Talking points. It's just so weird to me. It, it shouldn't be. If this is the news, it shouldn't be all coming from one bullhorn. It doesn't seem like. Well, there are plenty of other things relevant in the world every day, but right now they're just banging on this Paul Manafort case that has nothing, nothing to do with to anything. Do with Trump. That's 13 years before he even joined Trump's team, yeah. and it's some money laundering. But they're going to run with that because he was somehow associated with Trump. That's got to be this and got to be that. And it's, but it's not even, but it was just, it, I mean, I'm not saying money laundering isn't bad, but it, it was some, and, and it's not even, maybe not even laundering, they have to prove that. Right. There was some numbers that don't match up where they're supposed to match up. Well, that is what they're implying is they doctored the books, you know. Right. Which that happens all, all day, every day on the right, left, center, whatever you want to say. You know, that's called corruption and evil. That has nothing to do with politics. You want to really look into something, you can either look into Nancy, is it Nancy Pelosi's ties with China? Yeah. I mean, her husband is getting rich as shit. Yeah. From business deals in, in China. Oh, I don't doubt it, and, and there's 
you know, that's why they're probably against Trump's tariffs on China. <laughs> hey, stop it. You're, you're hurting my bankroll. But, you know, it, it's, it's funny because when you talk about those sorts of things, that goes on on both parties. It does. And, and uh, but and you brought wrong. back in my mind Adam Schiff, you know, that congressman who's on TV just endlessly on those other networks talking about we got Trump this time. He did this, he did that. And I heard somebody spoofed him. And they called him and said they were a Russian. And they had naked pictures of Donald Trump with <laughs> prostitutes or something to that effect. And he was eating it up hook, line, and sinker. Oh, well, I look forward to hearing from you. I, I really want that information. Thank you so much. I mean, that's real Russian collusion right there. Well, isn't that what they're, they're accusing Donald Trump's son of doing? Yeah. Which he did go to the meeting. To the meeting, sure. So what's the difference if Schiff is doing it? No, there is no difference. Right. And, yeah, Don Trump Jr. was told, come to this meeting, we got some dirt on Hillary. And then they, you know, changed the whole thing when he got there. And I heard that he just stayed there 10, 15 minutes and said, uh, and they wanted to talk about Russian adoption and, and which is fine, you know, but that's not illegal. That's the whole thing. They started this, however many months ago, was collusion, collusion, collusion. Well, it's not a crime. I can collude with you to do things. You know, there's conspiracy. That's a different thing. But collusion in itself is not a crime. Now, if, if Russians, <clears throat> you know, if you pay them for information, that's a little different. I, you know, I'm not a lawyer, so... Plus, uh, I want to say, and I'm pretty sure you feel the same way, if it does come out, if there is evidence that comes out that Donald Trump was somehow in cahoots with Russia to, to try to change our election process, well, I'd be... sure. Hang him dry, you know. Yeah. I mean, we're not... I'm not... No, I'm not pro anyone who's actually going to commit crime. Against our that's, election. That's the difference between the right side of the ledger and the left side of the ledger, I've learned, is... When Barack Obama was president, he he could do no wrong in the eyes of a lot of Democrats I talked to. Just no wrong. I've never heard a Democrat say a bad word about him. I told one that he could come and take a crap in the middle of their uh, Thanksgiving dinner, and they would say, "Look at how lovely that shit is." You know, it's <laughs> it's Barack Obama's shit, so it has to be great. You know, that's just how blindly they'll follow that. D, that letter next to a politician's name. And that's that's just unreal to me because there are plenty of R's that I go, who the hell are you and what are you doing in what used to be my party because... Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll try. I mean... George we, Bush is a perfect example. He had Congress, what, the first six years of his presidency? I know that 9-11 happened and that changed some things, but they still could have gotten a lot of things done. They did nothing. That's what I think it's come down to for me is the politicians. I'm starting to learn this. I'm like you said, you're old. I'm 48. I don't think they really want to fix problems. I think they need problems to use as uh, campaign fodder. Yeah, like uh, we're going to fix it this time. Yeah, this needs to be fixed, and then. Uh, if you listen during election season, you hear all these things that are wrong, all these problems. They just talk about for months. It's on TV, every damn commercial. Mm -hmm. And then once they get elected, I, they never bring any of that up again. They never talk about any of it again. Well, immigration is a perfect example of that. 
because Reagan gave amnesty back in the 80s. And then, you know, from then on, it just progressed to where we are now. And, and for cycle after cycle after cycle, they were all going to fix it. They were all going to do it. Even Barack Obama talked about fixing the border. And his fix was, every DACA child can stay here for free because I said so because I'm the <laughs> emperor of the world. But that's not what he said in his campaign. <laughs> no. During his campaign, he said, basically, not a wall, but a fence. We need border security. We need to tighten our screws on the immigration. I mean, he said everything. That we're hearing now, right? We're hearing now. Donald Trump might say it different. He might be a little rougher with his words and... Uh, I think he's not... And he points out rightly the fact that he he never said all. No. Never, ever said all. But there are criminal elements coming across that border every day. Rapists, murderers, thugs, drug dealers. So, that's not all. So, leave me alone. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a racist. That's just a fact. There are also... And in the Caucasian community, rapists, murderers, thugs. That's what I was just going to say. Just because you say that there are rapists and murderers coming across the border doesn't mean you don't believe there's already rapists and murderers (laughs) here. We know there are. Our prisons are full of them. And serial killers were mostly white, you know, so it's not about race to me. It's not a race thing. It's, It's just a fact. And, you know, of course, they twisted that immediately when he said that, and he's a racist, and he called all Mexicans this and that and the other. And I just would challenge any liberal to try to go south across that border and see what happens. I was talking to somebody yesterday. He was talking about, <laughs> I'm leaving this country. I said, I don't think you can. Said, you can't go to Canada. So you got a DUI. Yeah. Canada's borders are secure. And if you sneak into Canada, I had a family member of mine say, I guarantee you if I went over to Canada with all my kids, they wouldn't separate my kids from me. <laughs> and then I looked into it. Oh, yeah, they do. If you get arrested going across the border into Canada, your kids don't go to the same jail you go to. Well, let me ask anyone who would say that this. Would you prefer that if you were arrested and thrown in jail that your kids be thrown in there with you? With the murderers, rapists, and thugs? Right, but I'm just saying Canada's (laughs) borders are tight. Right, it's common knowledge and common sense. I can't walk into Canada, and I can't walk into Mexico. Because either place I'll be arrested... Mexico's detained and deported. Deported. Mexico does not allow you to stay there. (laughs) And um, that's that's every country, in order to be a country, you have to have, your borders have to be secured. Right, or you're not a country. If we just open, there's a lot of people calling for the the, the abolishing of ICE. Yeah. Which is the immigration uh, control. Yeah. They're calling for open borders where we don't have any control or say-so who comes over. Yeah, if you want to change things with with how things are, you know, it's done through laws in a democratic republic. You don't just don't go abolishing ICE because ICE is not the enemy. ICE is not evil. ICE is, ICE is actually... I mean, it's not mentioned specifically in the Constitution, but it is uh, the government's job. The federal government only has a few jobs. I don't know if people know this or not. Securing the border is one of their job. One of the jobs. I'm pretty sure it's not free edu- uh, free college, but um, did you find that in the Constitution? It's anymore? not in the Constitution. Oh. But keeping our country secure and safe is in the Constitution. Right. You can't abolish ICE. That's their job. Right. 
They keep and, us and they safe. are keeping us safe. And and I don't know why the, the Democratic Party is is pretty funny and it's hysterical to watch if it weren't so serious. Um, when they embrace MS-13 all of a sudden because Donald Trump's arresting them. They're just kids who like to hang out. You know, are you kidding me? They're, Look at their motto. Do you know what it is? I don't know. I do not. It's like rape, murder, control or something like that. Yeah, they're not. Um, they're not regular... nice people. They're not a social club. <laughs> no. <laughs> they're not playing chess. They're not like the gangs, even the Bloods and the Crips. You know, they're way worse than that. Well, the Bloods and the Crips, they, yeah, they have their their enemies or their people trying to take their territory or whatever. All right. And the MS-13 doesn't really give a shit. No, they just want rape, murder, control. And that's where I'm coming... Okay, so I was talking about the Norway as their shining beacon of socialism. If you look at the all the failures of socialism, it's almost all the South, South, Southern America countries, Central right. America... And the Soviet Union. But, I mean, right now... <laughs> but currently, right. Currently, Central America is... They're yep. almost all socialist, and mm-hmm. it's all failing. Mm-hmm. And those people need somewhere to go. They're trying to escape the, their own governments because their own governments are murderous uh, dictators. I mean, they're just... It's it's bad there, and they're all coming north. Right. And if, if socialism was so great... If it worked so well... Why are they escaping and fleeing? Yeah. Why is everybody fleeing? And why do they want to come here to this horrible capitalistic <laughs> country? Right. The, and that's that's the whole other uh, slippery slope of the border because all you have to do is... And they're teaching it. Say you're seeking asylum from Venezuela, Honduras, wherever you want to say. You know, and that's it. we got to let you in. Until we further investigate, but yeah, ice, uh, ice abolishment, and and the suddenly cozy relationship of the Pelosi and the MS thirteen is just hysterical. She is out there. I mean, people call Donald Trump crazy, and I don't all the time. I I agree with him sometimes, but Nancy Pelosi is insane. Oh, completely. I mean, to say we just have to pass this so we can find out what's in it. That's counterintuitive to everything I thought I knew about government from the uh, Schoolhouse Rock commercials and Saturday morning cartoons. That's the ACA you're talking about. Yeah, Affordable Care Act. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what a name. <laughs> There's not, not much affordable in it. There's not much care in it. But it was an act, so I'll give them that. The problem I have with Obamacare is what <clears> people call it. The biggest problem I have with it is that they say it's health care for everybody. And... Uh, to me, it's not health care for everybody. It's If you force everybody to, to buy health insurance or to have health insurance, that's not health care. That's right. not fixing the health care system. Our health care system is broken. No doubt. It, yeah, it has a shit ton of problems. <clears throat> but to force everybody to buy insurance, the only people that benefits are insurance companies. Right. That's the truth. And But they sold it under the guise of fairness again. Where however many million more people now have health insurance that didn't before. And again, that's a socialist thinking. Make everyone pay so these people that don't want to work or can't work or whatever the case may be, will give it to them. That's socialism at its barest level. It is. But, and it, it didn't work, though. It, 
Well, it's actually well, they, they, they will point to Canada as as well for their healthcare system. But again, a very very small country, and they'll they'll use it. And it's fine for regular doctor visits or whatever. But when they need a procedure, if they're able to, they're coming to this country to get that procedure. You know, I, I read somewhere the Canadians pay it's close to sixty percent of their income in taxes, mm-hmm. and. To me, that's insane. I was talking to a truck driver, and he was, make, he was making like $23 an hour. So we're just talking like a federal tax, not counting all, any local or... I think it's all, all together. All together. Okay. I think that's all together. But he was telling me, he said he makes $23 an hour, and he's only, get, he's only bringing home like $480 a week because mm-hmm. everything else goes to taxes. But they get free health care and they get free college. Right. And I don't know if that's worth it to me. <laughs> I mean, I, of course, I, I, I don't use the health care system very often and I, and I didn't go to school. So. Right. I'm just some rich, I'm some white guy talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot of those in Canada too. The problems of the world, yeah. There are. <laughs> but again, this show is never about race. You know, I could care less. What color you are. You're right. I, I brought that up because... Right, I know what you are. That's what you're just stating the fact. Well, the way people, I'm an old white guy, too. But that, People are going to say, well, you know, it's two white guys talking about, you know, the right. problems of the world when they obviously don't have any. Right. White privilege. <laughs> I, I gotcha. <laughs> so. Well, I am privileged every day, but that's, you know, my belief given to me by my creator, not by the color of my skin or anything else. And every gift that I have... Is, is bestowed on me by him, but that's just my personal belief as a Christian. So you can take that for what it's worth, but color of the skin does not matter. And, you know, we'll just leave that where it is. So anyway, as we were talking about socialism, you know, Margaret Thatcher probably said it best, another quote, I'm a quote guy, I guess you could say, but she said, basically the only problem with socialism is what happens when you run out of other people's money and it ties in nicely with that other quote about the sharing equal sharing of misery but that's the truth I mean that's why it doesn't work it's a Ponzi scheme yeah and, and it's just capitalism is not a perfect system by any any means but it's the most close thing to perfect I think ever desi- devised by uh, mankind and and you know that What's her name? Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. You know, she says some really funny things, one of which was, capitalism hasn't always existed, and it won't always exist on this planet, or something to that effect. And thinking, yeah, pretty much it as has always existed from the first caveman who came out and said, however they communicated, I'll give you this rock for that piece of meat. You know, that's capitalism at work. <laughs> right. You can build a nice tool out of this rock and you give me some of your meat. I'm pretty sure back then they weren't, oh, you killed a deer. No. Now we all eat. <laughs> yeah, now we all eat, right. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. Don't kill animals and the whole PETA argument. But, uh, but yeah, that's capitalism and, and trade has existed pretty much since the dawn of humankind on this planet. So. This Alexandria woman you're talking about, she's the... She just won a primary in New right, York. She right, she defeated some Democrat stalwart. And she is in a New socialist. York district. Oh, she's a 
But she comes right out and says it. I'm socialist. Yeah, yeah. And she's an ignorant socialist, but she's a socialist. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to set the table. Sure. Yeah. I mean, she said some, you know, things like the reason why the unemployment numbers are so low is because everyone has to work two and three jobs, and they're all working 70, 80 hours a week, which there was some uh, research and fact-checking done on that. And that's not nearly true at all. Out of all the working people, I read the stats that about somewhere between 4.2 and 5.7% are actually working more than one job of the entire working force in America. And, you know, the percentage of those that are actually working 60, 70, 80 hours a week on a regular basis is even a smaller chunk of that. So that's that's baseless in its facts, and it's also baseless in argument to begin with. I mean, how's the unemployment number low because everyone has two or three jobs? It makes no sense. I was going to say that the available jobs numbers might be lower because of that, but not the unemployment. Right. right? Now, we went through the same when, when Obama was president. Uh, his with The numbers they would release for the unemployment uh, rates, we always heard, you know, I always heard people say, well that's not counting the people that dropped out of the workforce. So the unemployment rate's low right now. And people are now, there's now people who wouldn't say that back then are saying it now. Well, right. it's because the people that are dropped out of the workforce. But I heard there are six, like 6.3 million job openings in this country right now. Un- unfilled jobs. Right, and I'm sure they're not all at minimum wage. Right. They're not all part-time minimum wage jobs. Barely make it jobs. And there's a lot of work right now in this country. I'm a truck driver, and I've seen things change just in the last year and a half. I mean, mm-hmm. things are changing. Companies are working. People are buying stuff. It's The economy's moving right now. Yeah. And it's but moving at a good speed. Wall Street, that's, that's who's only benefiting the one percenters. Well, I'm benefiting every <laughs> week. My, check went, my paycheck went up. Yeah, so did mine. I can see the little little app I have that tells me, hey, get ready for payday. And then you click on it, and it tells you how much you got paid that week, and then it's got a little pie chart, and it tells you how much are taxes, and how much are this, and how much are that. And again, that's all taxes, so I have to delve a little further. But yeah, definitely, just the overall number went from like 25 27% down to about 21% now. Yeah, my check went up. And, you know, I'm not, again, rich. I once had somebody say to me once that they vote Democrat now because they were they were doing so well when uh, uh, Clinton was in office. Yeah. And not, I don't equate the two completely, but if that's where we're going, then I'm voting R from now on because I'm doing quite well when now Trump. that Trump is in office. Right. right. Well, again, the Clinton years were, you had basically... Reagan for eight, and then Bush Sr. for four, and then Clinton took over. And like I said, so that's basically 12 years of Reagan Reaganomics, if, whatever you want to call it, and trickle down, and oh my God, all those dirty words. But it did work. This country did rebound from some of the worst economic times in history in the 70s under Carter. Carter. Taxes were so high under right. Carter. It just the corporate tax was like seventy percent. Yeah, unreal. And 
You're just smothering businesses. So, so from that era when it was so high, like you're saying, and everything was just—I mean, my father, like I said, was a United Auto Worker for the Chrysler Corporation, and he worked in a factory for 30 years. And during those Carter years, he was laid off several times. I, you know, I was alive. I was a kid, but uh, you know, prior to the Carter years, I don't remember Daddy not going to work at the at the uh, factory. But during those Carter years, I, I remember uh, he had to get, at that time, two and three other jobs just to try to feed us. <laughs> my, right. my mom and us, at that point, there were three boys. And eventually, the youngest came along in 81. Um, but yeah, so Reaganomics lasted for 12 years. Then Clinton took over. And then there was also, around that time, the <clears throat> internet, you know, false market boom, you know, where all these dot-com companies were created and all of a sudden deemed billion-dollar companies, which wasn't true at all. Right. So, Truly. so yeah, Clinton, I mean, it's sad to say, but, and I would, I never did vote for him, but as far as, like, he and, and the Barack Obamas and, and where the Democratic Party, I mean, I would long for Bill Clinton. If that were my choices, <laughs> right. either him or well, Bill, Bill Clinton though actually worked with the Republican Congress yeah, Gingrich and, and they didn't. The, I don't. I don't remember the fighting the way it is now. No, not until the whole uh, Lewinsky impeachment thing happened. Yeah, they did. Yeah, but I mean, as far as working together with uh, what they call it, reach across the aisle. They call yeah. it for some reason. They call it that. I mean. They all, they worked together to get shit done. The whole contract with America. Yeah, he was a Democrat who signed welfare reform. He did. Yeah, he made my grandma go to work. Yeah, <laughs> my so, grandma got so welfare. Yeah, he was, and she had to go to the school every day, uh, three times a week. That wasn't she could walk to the school, and she worked in the cafeteria so she could keep her. Now his crazy wife, even back in those days, was trying to get Hillary care, and she did. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, that was shot down in flames, you know. But I, I don't know. I've heard rumblings now that she's still not, you know, Please completely ruling out another run Please in 2020. <laughs> it's like, would you just go away? No, she won't. <laughs> Please run again. <laughs> because if she does run again, that'll keep all the other Democrat candidates out of it because they'll make sure of that. Right. They'll right. rig it. And then... <laughs> I really don't think... Oh, I don't think she can beat him. I just don't want to hear the campaign commercials and the debates. And right. I'm just so done hearing her. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You know, that's what you said a few minutes ago about Donald Trump. He surely says some, some crazy things that I'm just... What are you talking about? Why are you saying that? But overall, he has got to be the only president in my lifetime that I have voted for that is actually trying to keep promises he made on the campaign trail. Actually doing... And actually has gotten a lot of them done already. The things that he said he was going to do. And it's so different. Yeah. I mean, Bush, he said a lot of things that he never even attempted to do. Um, Like I said, that I voted for because I wasn't old enough to vote for Ronald Reagan. Right. I wasn't either. You know, I was scared 18-year-old back when he hit uh, Gaddafi with some 
bombs over there in Libya. And I said, oh my God, I'm going to go to war. I'm going to get drafted. <laughs> but I was just ignorant on my part, you know. Well, they, yeah, they still do that now. They still, every time that Trump says something, they try to scare our kids with, you're going to go to war now. Yeah. Which is weird. It's funny to me because even with his abrasive, harsh way he speaks to people, the way he talks, you know, we're not used to hearing that. Especially over the last 10 years, we've become so soft. Yeah. Uh, when you hear him talk, it's almost it's almost like shocking. And but he is shaking these other countries up. He's making them listen. He's, well, right. We don't know what's going to happen in North Korea yet, for sure. But he never met with any other president. Right. He, he says, "Hey, listen here, little rocket man. <laughs> you do this and you do that, and we're coming after you. You're going to regret it." You know, I was talk, talking to somebody yesterday about the China, the tariffs in China. And the, stuff, the way he was talking to me, I could tell that he doesn't understand what a tariff means. He thinks that the government is putting a tax on this other country. That tariffs are taxes, right? That, but it's our when we send our products over there, it's bought and sold in the country, right? When we send our products over to China right now, they're taxed at an unbelievable rate. Mm-hmm. And when products come in from China, there's hardly no tax on them at all. Just regular tax, you know. I don't know what the rate is, but we, our government doesn't charge them a lot of taxes. It's not to sell their products over here. What Trump has done is raise theirs up, so trying to get them to lower theirs. And at first, it freaked everybody out, saying we're going to get in a trade war. We're going to get in trade wars. Well, China's actually starting to say, well, "Okay, wait, you know, we'll talk about this." Mm-hmm. So that, and that's what I think is people don't understand it. I don't understand what what Trump's doing either. I but if. Well, when you well, look at it after the results are... What I do think I understand about the man, though, is he does know how to negotiate. He how to negotiate. And he knows right the right buttons to push. He's dealt with China for years. And leverage. And, and that's how you do it. I'm not a master negotiator, so... But you can't go in weak. No. You hear that, Barack? <laughs> you can't leave from behind. Yeah. <laughs> Bowing to other leaders, and <laughs> you can't apologize to the world for us being us. <laughs> Wait, I, did, I, I, I don't know if we're going down that road or not. Oh, well, I'm we just can saying, definitely. We, he could be a, another podcast in himself, but uh, I'm just saying that it comes. It sounds harsh to us to hear this, but these are the ways he. You have to have leverage to negotiate with China. You have to say, look, these trade policies here are not. They're not fair. And it's funny that Democrats only like the word fair when they're talking about taking money from people here. Right. But when you're talking about making things actually fair, they don't want to hear it. Right. Well, I think Reagan was probably the closest to that kind of tone and and stance and, you know, position of power with other world leaders that we've had. Bush had some of it. I mean, he wasn't a pansy when it came to foreign policy. He sure wasn't. <laughs> but... But, you know, Obama just took us down that path for eight years of complete weakness. Weak. Draws a red line in the sand. Don't you cross that. (laughs) Haha, we're crossing it. Okay. (laughs) Well, I told you not to. That's good enough. It's just unreal to me, dude, that the difference in uh, left and right and, and completely what left has become in the last what are you going to say, 10, 15, 20 years, and more recently. Well, this socialism movement that they're going for is exploding. Yeah. I mean, it's 
And it's because of the Bernie Sanders in this last election. He was taken so serious. Well, I think I think you're right about that. I do have a Ronald Reagan quote I wanted to get to as well, just because we're talking about socialism and communism and that whole philosophy. He said, uh, basically, put in a question form, and he said, how do you tell who is a communist? Well, it's someone who reads Marx and Lenin. And how do you recognize an anti-communist? It's someone who understands Marx and Lenin. So that's pretty much illustrating our point again, basically that if you understand socialism, you don't want any part of it. But if you just read the philosophy, everything, on, like you said, on the surface looks, oh my God, why not? Free this, free that. Everything Everybody is shares. fair. It'll be such a utopia. Yeah. So Reagan was was really intelligent. I'm kind of sad that I didn't get to. I wasn't old enough to really understand his presidency. Right. Well, I was. Well, I mean, I was 18 and 86. So well, I didn't care about politics back then. I obviously didn't care about it as much then as I do now. But I was paying somewhat attention, learning, you know, that goes back to that other quote that I love so much that it's something like this, it's not verbatim, but, you know, if at 18 you're not a liberal, you have no heart. If at 30 you're not a conservative, you have no brain. I love that quote. I always have. (laughs) And I think it's really true. But that's just a sidebar, you know, you reminded me of that quote because comparing 18 to now. Right. (laughs) But yeah, Reagan was... Probably still what I would consider the best president in my lifetime. And, uh, you know, who knows about Trump yet? We'll see how things go. The only two uh, presidents I've ever voted for that have won elections are George Bush, W, and Donald Trump. That's the only two I've ever voted for in my life that have won. Well, we've been... See, we had Reagan, then Bush, then Clinton, then Bush, then Obama. I guess I should take that back. I did vote for Reagan in 88. No, that was George W. Bush. So there's three presidents. Two of them were named George Bush, and the other one's named Donald Trump. So, yeah, we've had Reagan, Bush Sr., Clinton, Obama. You forgot a Bush. Bush. <laughs> He's very forgettable. He, <laughs> <laughs> he cares about the she kind of citizens. She kind of started this movement of the Republican Party to the left. Oh, he did. It was called Compassionate Conservatism. Right. Which is, doesn't sound bad. No, it but sounds a lot like socialism is happy and free. <laughs> <laughs> we are compassionate. We well, just, he was. he's a Texas governor and from that border state, so... You know, he wasn't all for real tight border security, I don't think, either. just want you to, in my opinion, I don't know, I, I work my ass off. I mean, I've, I've made it to where my job's not that hard, but I still work my ass off. I just want everybody else to, to, to at least try to work. Sure, sure. And I, I'm, like I had said earlier, I can only see the world from my eyes. I can only see, I've only experienced it from me. So I, I, it's hard for me sometimes to 
look, I'm not looking down. I don't want to feel like I'm looking down on anyone. You know what no, I mean? I don't no. know their situation or what they're going through or whatever. It's just I just know that at its heart, uh, capitalism, it does have a top and a bottom. But it's the only system that has a middle. Right. And it's the only system where you can come from the bottom and work your way actually to the top. Some people have to work from the bottom all the way to the top. And, and the socialist systems, there's a top and a bottom, but there's no way to get out of the and bottom. And that top is, is really small, and that bottom is really big. And there's no way to work your way up, out of it. You no. are the bottom, and you always will be. And there's no, and they say, well, it comes down, it, we, it just wasn't done right. That's the other thing they always say. If, if we do it right this time, if we do it right this time. Oh, that's the definition of insanity. <laughs> Try right. the same thing over and over, expecting different results. There's no right way to do that because eventually you're still working with It's a being. flawed system to begin with. Even if you had all perfect, virtuous people, it's still flawed because of, you run out of, it's the Ponzi scheme idea. Eventually, there's no more money left to give everybody. So what do you do then? Oh, I guess we got to go to war <laughs> and steal some more money. <laughs> it's 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 definitely a you know been a been a quandary for most of my life dealing with the left and just their ridiculousness and and it's just gotten way way out there. You know, Donald Trump could not have won an election in the eighties, no, or the nineties, no. But, you know, it was just the right time, and despite what they think, you know, he won because people are tired of the Obama years, big government in general, the swamp, you know, and there's plenty of members of both parties in that swamp just hiding their money, you know, and they want the power, and they don't care about, like you said, fixing anything, let's just keep electing me. I mean, you can see it, and I always pick on the Clintons, but <laughs> by both their admissions, when they left the White House, they were dead broke. Now they've got millions of dollars. How does that happen? They didn't go work somewhere or invent a product. or <laughs> I don't believe they were dead broke when they left. Well, I don't either, either but... and I believe that they tore up the White House and broke, broke shit apart on their way out. But, uh, you know, that's just... Even if they weren't dead broke, though, they've made quite a living since he left office. And she made even more cashola as Secretary of State, <laughs> selling our uranium rights to who? Oh, Russia. Russia. Oh, that's more collusion. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do, though. I defy anyone to find any politician in Congress, Senate, that is living paycheck to paycheck. I mean, they only make like a hundred, what, one hundred forty-seven thousand a year or something. Yeah, which. I mean, it's sounds good like money. good money to me, but but that's not huge rich. That's money. not rich money. No, you can't become rich making that money In every four year. years of Congress. No, but they do. All of them are rich. That's you know lobbyists. They become lobbyists after they leave. They write policy and get payola. When they talk about the 1%, they're so mad at the 1%, they get us all riled up over the 1%. They are the 1%. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are people that are richer than them, like the Bill Gates and stuff. But for the most part, the government, the people in the government mm -hmm. are the 1% that they get us all fired up over. Right. And, and you know, we could go into that further, but 
I remember hearing or reading statistics back in the day that that 1% pays 90% of all taxes. And yeah, now you're getting into the working 1%, though, because right. I doubt if those politicians are paying. They're paying their taxes on their own. Well, I'm talking about the, the one percenters. <laughs> that includes the politicians, but it also includes the Bill Gates and everybody from him back down to those politicians. So, yeah, and the bottom 50% pay about zero. You know, like our bosses, they're probably in that 1%, and if not in the 1%, they're probably in the 5% or the 10%. Yeah, the bottom 50% pays about zero in taxes. Right. The people that they get all riled up. And I believe me, when I was bringing up my family, when I had a wife and young kids, and I got that earned income credit, and I, I could do math, I could see, guess what, Ron? You didn't pay any taxes this year to the federal <laughs> government. I knew that. Right. You know, now was I a staunch conservative and said, no, no, this is un-American, take it back. <laughs> no, I took every dime of it. Right. So, you know, like I said, I'm... It's about back to the, you know, security thing and how I was after 9-11 and, you know, you got to practice what you preach though and, and I'm more with you on the side of, you know, what I have, I have worked for and I just would like everyone else to try, not just say, give me, give me, give me, because that's, and, and believe me, you know, again, we've talked about this at the beginning of this podcast here that... We're not talking about the people with mental illness or physical disability or some reason to actually need help. We're, we're definitely all for helping them out. We're just not talking about the vast majority of generational welfare where people just don't even think about working. I mean, that's part of the reason I believe that I, that I do work and I have worked for most of my life is because I saw the example of my father getting up every day, going to work. I just learned that's what you have to do. And then my mother, as you know, my brother and I got a little older, she even started working part-time jobs. So not working was never in my realm of possibility. It just not considered. I said, well, I'm graduated high school now. Do I want to go to college and become a doctor? Because I actually thought that at one point. And I basically said, nah, I don't want to go to school for 12 years. And you know, Maybe I should have, but... Dr. Ron. <laughs> but, yeah, so after that, I decided I'm not doing that. You know, and I, in the meantime, was playing guitar in rock bands and, and uh, having some fun with that, but I knew, yep, I'm going to have to work to survive this life. And uh, eventually, you know, got married, had kids, and been there ever since. So still pick my guitar every now and again in my band and have a little fun with that. You know, that that's just my enjoyment in life, um, along with my family and friends. But you know, that life is good. You know, I'm don't ever need to be rich to feel fulfilled or happy. I guess, and that's probably why I don't feel envy to the people who are way richer than I am because I don't care. Money doesn't make you happy. No, no. I mean, I'd like to have some. So, I know we've been friends for a long time, and we were actually in uh, a band together at one point. You still playing your bass a lot, or right there it is. I sit right there. I pick it up every night. Yeah, that's a good thing, man. And I think you would get get a lot of enjoyment even if 
you know, you just found some guys to play with again, even if it didn't turn into a band. That's just my opinion, but... Uh, right now I'm doing this thing. Right. I got right. stuff in my... I got stuff in my <laughs> Right. right I but get I, that. I, I like... But it's just uh, being in a band is a commitment. <laughs> oh, no doubt. That's I mean, a... Uh, it's even more of a commitment, I think, than a marriage. And the, uh, people might be scratching their head at that statement. But it is. You have to have four people, at least four people, that are on the same commitment level... And it's hard to find. Well, <clears throat> I will agree that it's at least as much of a commitment as a marriage. It's just harder because you have more than two people. Right. <laughs> so that's what polygamy is like. Right. So, I mean, <laughs> we were in a band together, like I said, and uh, it lasted, what, six, seven, eight, nine years? Who knows? Yeah, it lasted a while. And, and believe me, there were the struggles and arguments and whatever in that but uh, it's better than a marriage I think in some respects though because the enjoyment level is more even keeled and ongoing <laughs> when it's going well <laughs> okay you know the guitar never yells at me to take out the trash or right why didn't you do this or why didn't you do that so maybe that's why I'm divorced no that's not the reason but we won't go into that <laughs> Yeah, but being in a band's fun. I mean, it's a lot of fun, but being on stage is the fun part to me. Eventually, I like all the practices and stuff and the arguing with people. I I felt like some people weren't giving... The effort that you were. The effort that I was. I, somehow I thought I was... I don't know. It was an ego thing, I guess. Right. But the on stage part, once the we were on stage, that's I do miss the shit out of that. Man. Right. Well... As you know, you came up and saw my most current band, and we're just a cover band, but we had a lot of fun. I mean, that was still what I'm doing, and, and there's no real, most of the time, there's no real politicking or, or uh, any of that drama that you were talking about that was in our previous band. It was intense in our band, though. For the most part, there's not any of that. There has been some, and you know about that. I'm not going to go into it on the podcast here. <laughs> right. But, but, yeah, I'm having a lot of fun because I used to be a demure, shy teenage boy who was learning to play guitar, and now I'm a 50-year-old, not-so-shy old man who's still learning to play the guitar, but in the meantime, I can go out and, and just have some fun, and I even sing a little bit now and I do like that interaction with people yeah you look like you're having a good time up there from stage you know I'm still though I'm kind of stuck on your you, you used a word I've never heard before what demure demure yeah well that's just something I looked up before the podcast so <laughs> I could say that yeah well, right <laughs> you have a you have a very big vocabulary sometimes you I'm, I have to look at you and go what did that mean <laughs> Well, I'm not going to go into demure what it means, but uh, basically I was just really a, a shy person, shy. And, and part of what brought me out of that was music and the guitar, and the other part was alcohol. <laughs> right. But, you know, I since given that up a few, several years ago, and uh, so now I just drink water, play guitar, go to work, and uh, I guess now start making a podcast on my conservative beliefs and and why socialism is wrong for this country. 
and I'll go to my grave believing that no matter what happens and it will never be an idea that I vote for or endorse in any way you know it's, it's just not right <clears throat> so did you hear about I'm sure you did that guy that stole that plane and was just flying around like an idiot and eventually to commit suicide in Seattle no I heard nothing you didn't hear anything about that oh yeah it was uh when did this happen uh, yesterday, I believe, or or Friday, it was one of their airport mechanics, and he just was able, with his limited knowledge of, you know, how to get a plane out of the, uh, it wasn't in the terminal, you know, like, he stole it from there, it was back in the maintenance area. Was it a big jet? Passenger jet? No, it was a prop, prop jet type thing. Um, okay. It could carry like 78 passengers, I think. It's still pretty big, man. Yeah, it wasn't a small Cessna or something right. like that. But yeah, he, he was able to, you know, back it out from wherever they kept it in the maintenance area, turn it around, get in it, take off, and start flying. And uh, they got on, air traffic control got on with him and basically, you know, sir, what are you, what are you doing? Da, da, da. He said, well, I'm about to do a barrel roll. <laughs> And just really stuff, but he they tried to get him to land on a couple runways, you know, bring it down, sir, safely. We can land you here. And he said, they're going to beat the crap out of me if I land there. So he eventually crashed it into some island off the coast there or something and killed himself. That was his whole mission, I guess, initially. That's what I'm hearing. So, wow, no, I didn't hear nothing about that. <laughs> yeah. Was, At least he didn't take a bunch of people with him. No, that that was the whole conversation that came after that was, oh my God, how did this happen? Is our security still that lax? And if he had been a terrorist, he could have taken that plane and flown it into buildings. Yeah, but not. I don't think just any terrorist could. I mean, still, he was a maintenance man. Yeah, he had clearance. clearance. Yeah, he just broke for whatever reason. but yeah, at least he didn't have that intent. It didn't look like to take out a bunch of people with him. Wow. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't hear that. It was all over well, the news yesterday. I was uh, at a cookout all day yesterday, and then right. I had to do my other podcast yesterday. So I didn't hear. I didn't really hear much. I didn't. I really don't watch TV, though, Ron. I don't watch the news. Well, I, I get that. I'm just not really a TV watcher either, but it is one of the things that I do. When I wake up, is turn on the news, you know, the TV, and see what they're talking about. And that I should kind probably of start doing eye. that again. <laughs> <laughs> that just caught my eye, you know. But anyway, we're not all just about politics and the current state of things in America, as far as that goes. We we are also sports fans. I'm kind of a Cincinnati Reds fan my whole life, and uh, I think my friend over there is more or less a Cleveland Indians fan. And so, I don't it's know. It's hard much. not to be a Reds fan, though, if you live in this part of the country. Cause right. I don't get you don't get any Indians news here on the TV or anywhere else. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm I remember in the in the daily paper occasionally seeing stories about the Indians too. What's that? A paper? <laughs> well, that goes back to the old dinosaur <laughs> days. T Rex used to drop a newspaper off at the door. <laughs> right. I mean, I. Uh, I do like the Reds, but I am Cleveland, and you're uh, Dallas for some reason. Yeah, I'm Dallas because of my father, and I'm Dallas Cowboys for life. Respect the star, and uh, <laughs> you know, 
Cleveland's a good, you know, they're they're what I've always said. I'm sure you've heard me say it before. But it, if Dallas fell off the face of the earth, then they would become my team, and they're kind of my default AFC team if I had to have one. Just because they're in a division why. with the Steelers, <laughs> the Ravens, the Bengals, all of which, you know, the Steelers I hate pretty much. That's a given. They can uh, fall off the face of the earth. I don't care. Obviously, this is the sports team that I hate. I don't hate individual players. If I saw Ben Roethlisberger on the street, I would probably say, Hi, Ben. How you doing? You're a Steeler. I don't like you and laugh. <laughs> <laughs> but sports hate is different. It's way different. And I hate the Steelers. <laughs> and the Bengals, I grew up around... Like you said, this this is Reds country. This is also Bengals, Bengals country. Yeah. So I got plenty of idiot Bengals fans my whole life saying, who day, who day, who day. <laughs> like, everyone they play, why do you ask? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and it's just their fans annoyed me such that you know how that goes, too. A lot of Dallas uh, haters probably feel that way about Dallas we Dallas fans, fans too, but... <laughs> yeah, you guys are pretty full of yourself. <laughs> Which, you know, you, you've said to me before in the past, oh, it's easy to be a Cowboys fan. Easy. <laughs> and I would retort with, really, when's the last time we won a Super Bowl? Was it 95 season? So. And I would come back with, when's the last time the Browns won a Super Bowl? Uh, and the answer is never. Right, but they and it's a lot harder to be a Browns fan than it is. I don't care what you say. Well, you can you can look at that two different ways, I guess. Yeah, you've never won it, but but at the same time, if you have won it and tasted that success, and now you have this long drought, it's it's worse, I think. <laughs> <laughs> only only someone with five Super Bowls would say would say that. Well, we won our sixth because. Right now, Pittsburgh has that many. Six. And no one else does, and I don't like that. Yeah, well, we don't even have one, so <laughs> I'm not going to sympathize well, with you there's hope that the Shiegels won one, finally, so. Yeah, but no, I mean, I've been a Browns fan as long as I can remember, and these are sad times in Cleveland for the last 15, 18 years. Uh, it's almost depressing. Every year I get all hyped up, and all right. last year we didn't even win a game. And I'm still going to watch my Cowboys, even though I know that none of them will kneel for the anthem. Um, but, you know, I, I feel like, why would I let those protesters take away something that I enjoy? That's what I've been wondering. These people get so mad. I, I can understand being mad and, and frustrated. Oh, the, the whole kneeling. principle definitely upsets me. But if one guy or two guys on your team kneel, what about the other 50 that didn't? Right. What, I mean, and if you're going to abandon the, the, your team because of those two guys, you're abandoning 50 yeah, people that didn't kneel. Early on in this so-called controversy, I said, well, they're not taking away my Sunday enjoyment of watching my team. Right. And I, and I did. You know, I watched the one game last year where Jerry Jones, was on the knee with the whole team before the anthem. And I was watching it, and I said, if this whole team does that, I will turn this off. But they stood up before the anthem started and put their hand on their heart, 
and and I'm like, okay, that's cool. You can do whatever you want, pre-anthem, post-anthem. But my, my main point on that whole controversy, I know we were talking more sports than politics and got back into this, <laughs> is, is what has it accomplished? Nothing. It's pushed away fans. It's divided more than I it's heard a, a gentleman on TV this morning, an African-American gentleman, I can't remember his name, but he said, if you want to speak out and do something in the African-American community. He said, go to those communities. When you retire from the NFL, become a police officer, give back, do something tangible. He said, raise fist and kneeling, don't do anything. They're just, it's just symbolism. It's not, and that's what I I was talking to uh, somebody yesterday about this. Like, my problem with this protest is not that they're doing it. I feel like they have the right to do it, just like you have the right to be mad about them doing it. My problem with it is it's not accomplishing what they wanted to get accomplished. It's done nothing but start fights and divide it more. If you really want to make headlines, if you really want to get people interested in what you're doing, and this the, the, the reason they're supposed to be doing it is protesting police brutality <laughs> against African Americans. Right. Go, go have a sit-in. In front of the a police, police department. Departments, yeah. Go to a police department and protest there in those neighborhoods where that's just, you think that stuff's happening. That would, and they say, well, their only platform is their NFL games. No, the media would follow them there. Oh, they're gonna follow them anywhere if they, if they, they just say they gotta make a call. I can't do that. I can't do that. But they can. They can. They could get people to Tell that their place agent or whoever. Hey, we're gonna go protest the police. Do you remember when Terrell Owens was doing? Sit-ups in his driveway. Right. Every media. Yeah, it was like every media outlet like was there. trial, except it was him working out. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, these people—they have pull like that. Right. To say that this is our only platform is bullshit. Right. Now, I, and the whole the whole police brutality thing—that—that's another argument. Um, obviously, when any person is gunned down by the police for any reason, other than. You know, they felt their life was threatened, and it's not justifiable, black, white, red, green, whoever. Um, I don't believe this, that the st- statistics would show that there's really cops out hunting black people to kill them. But, you know, we're not going to get into that um, completely. It got off on a tangent because of this <laughs> anthem thing. This is the most frustrating thing for me and politics right now is this anthem protest it's just mind boggling the, but, but the anger that it produces yeah. produces on both sides people are pissed the other gentleman that I told you just told him to go to the police station become a cop do things in the community stop doing your he also said as far as the president that he's really not at fault here he's saying what a majority of Americans are saying about this. It's, we don't want to hear it. We want to watch our football. It's not accomplishing what you want anyway. You know, Trump is never going to get them all suspended or, (laughs) you know, that kind of stuff. And and he's a little abrasive with his tweets on that subject. I would like for him to just stay out of it completely. Yeah, he should. It's not his fight. Yeah, he's got more important fights. Right. But he's is, my opinion, patriotic. He and is. it probably angers him like it angers many other people. Like I said, it angers me to a point, but that's not gonna allow them to take away 
my enjoyment of watching my Dallas Cowboys play on Sunday or Thursday or whatever day they're on. I think I come at it a little bit different than you. Like you, you have a son in the military, and, mm-hmm. and I just I come at it as they have a right to do it. It doesn't bother me when they do it. I'd rather they didn't, but I'm not going to let the. It, they're just the media has blown this thing up into. I always blame everything on the media. That's my. <laughs> but they've blown this thing up. If they would just not show, okay, just don't show them doing it then. But no, they stick cameras right. If you're on your knee, they stick a camera right in your face, and they, they, you know, they instead of them showing the flag like they used to, or the person singing the national anthem. Well, now they're showing the person protesting, and it's like I'm pretty sure this is true. They didn't. I know that it's true that they always didn't show the anthem before football games. No, they didn't. But when I watched when I was a kid, you never saw that. You don't see them at the baseball games I watch now. I know they do it every game, but you don't see it on TV. But at some point in the '90s, I believe it was, the NFL lobbied them, or not the NFL, the military, in general, Army, Air Force, Navy, Marines, lobbied the NFL to start showing that because they were trying to gen up patriotism and recruitment. Yeah. And so they they don't have to, I don't know if it's contractual now that they have to show it. I doubt it. I don't know why they show I mean, if you, but it, they used, when they were showing it though, they would, yeah, they would show the players a little bit, but they mostly focused on the flag or the person singing it. Right. But as soon as this thing started, now they're just like, oh, he's on his knee. Let's show him on his knee. Just don't show it. Right. Show the crowd. Show the people in the hot dog line buying hot dogs while the thing's going on. <laughs> oh, crap, it's the anthem. i got to put down my hot dog. Actually, the funny thing is, though, the last Reds game I was at, about uh, a month ago or so, during the anthem, I did look around at the people in beer lines and stuff, and they all were turned around, and the workers weren't serving hot dogs and stuff. They, were, they had their hand on their heart. Mm-hmm. I mean, even during... Even it's, they would take a break from doing their job for that. So that well, argument is... I do pledge allegiance to the flag and to the republic for which it stands. So every time that anthem is playing, I'm going to be standing there with my hand on my heart. I but, do. I take my hat off. You know, but yeah, it's just a ridiculous thing that happened, in my opinion, because of Colin Kaepernick getting benched as the starting quarterback of the 49ers sitting there whining and pouting, and then someone asked him, why are you whining and pouting? And he just came up with that off the top of his head, and then a whole lot of other people latched on to it. I got, somebody got mad at me because I did say that to somebody, and I said, well, he kind of backed into this. I mean, yeah, what he's doing now, he's... Because he, he didn't say it when he was starting quarterback. He right. didn't sit during the anthem when he was starting quarterback. Nope, he got benched for a terrible quarterback. <laughs> and it hurt his feelings. Yeah. But he backed into this protest. It turned into something I think he didn't think it was going to turn into. Right. I'm mad at Colin Kaepernick. A lot of people are mad at him. I'm not mad at him. Oh, no. Could care less otherwise, you know. But I guess this will about probably wrap up this episode one of Freedom Reigns, Socialism Kills, and other musings I think we've accomplished. Uh, some conversation that kind of demonstrates all those three things so um, just want to thank you for allowing uh, me to be part of this and uh, providing the platform and I think anyone who may be listening and enjoys this uh, 
the initial plan would probably be at least to do this on a monthly basis um, at first. And depending on how it goes, um, maybe every couple of weeks, but at least initially probably monthly. So we're recording this on somewhere on or about August 12th, I think. Um, so we'll see how it goes, but uh, next next month I will be probably unavailable um, to do one. Possibly we'll see how it works out and how we're able to do that because I do not live in the same town where we're recording this right now. So we'll see how it plays out, but I do have a granddaughter on the way and she's going to be born next month. So really excited and thank God about that. And, uh, thanks for listening. My name is Ron. I'm Steve. And God bless America. Thank you.